This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Lucas Connolly on the line. Lucas, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, legacy in the making, the Legacy Lab. Uh, legacy is a big word. Uh, and uh, for people, I, I, while they may have different definitions of that word, um, it's all quite similar. It's, it's about you know, leaving a legacy. I know you're not supposed to use the name in, in a definition, but uh, if there is one word where you're allowed to do that, that would be the one because it, it's important for us that are in this world to, um, to leave some evidence that we were here. And we actually did something to make the world better. So tell us a little bit about the book, how it came about, and some of the awesome work that you're doing. Absolutely. And that's actually a really good place to start because the word legacy is, does, have, um, it does have a lot of baggage, right? It's, it's, it's a word that gets thrown around for things that are dated sometimes when we talk about legacy systems. Um, we often talk about things that are no longer necessarily cutting edge. And when uh, my co-author, Mark Miller, and I sat down to look at, at how brands were being built in the modern age, we realized that there were people out there who were thinking about legacy in a more forward-looking way. Um, they were talking about living their legacy or uh, having a modern legacy as opposed to something that they would leave behind. It was something that they were actively pursuing or an ambition that they had aimed for. Um, so in, in identifying those types of leaders, we decided to start calling it uh, something a little bit different. So we refer to legacy or this type of legacy, this forward thinking kind of legacy throughout the book as either modern legacy or, or a legacy in the making, which kind of shifts the, the framework for how you think about um, your ambitions, your goals, your beliefs and values. Well, it's so crucial too, because I think there's so many of us that are you know, doing impactful work and we're doing it in a way because we want to you know, make the world better or our worlds better or the communities that we live in better. But sometimes we don't necessarily think about the long range of things. You know, when we look at those that have you know, passed on that have you know, left their mark on the world and, you know, still, you know, have you know, a mark on you know, what we're doing, you know, the Henry Fords of the world or the Edisons or the Teslas or, you know, or, or invent, great inventors or world leaders that set forth things that, um, you know, has created, you know, peace and, and harmony in, in certain countries and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, those things at the time, they were probably not thinking about legacy. They were probably just trying to make things work to the best that they could at that particular moment. Absolutely. Uh, the, one of the things we identify in this, in this book is that most of the companies that you'll, you would think of as a, having a modern legacy, um, when you look really closely, all of them, in fact, start with somebody who has a long-term personal ambition. Uh, they're looking to solve a problem or change the world or really disrupt an industry um, because it begins with something that's really near and dear to their heart. Um, and what we found is that those types of people uh, when you talk about long-term thinking, those types of people are the, uh, the ones who are standing out in a world where um, I heard a stat um, when we were researching this book that'll really kind of set the context. 
in the 1920s, the average lifespan of a company listed on the Standard & Poor's 500 uh, was about 67 years. Uh, flash forward today, the average lifespan of an S&P 500 company is 15 years. So in the context of the modern business, we've got people who are, who are really moving around quickly in their jobs, and you don't see these long-term personal ambitions um, maybe as frequently or, or uh, as commonly. And we wanted to celebrate those types of leaders who are really starting from that, that personal ambition. It's crucial. And there's been so much you know, written on employee engagement, uh, employees that aren't, you know, sticking around, you know, gone are the days of the 25 year gold watch type of situation. Yes, there are still people that have been with organizations for a long time. You know, it's not like a dinosaur where, you know, they became extinct unless you think birds are dinosaurs or a relative of them, then, then they're not spoiler alert. They're coming back. Uh, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, it, you know, organizations and, and individuals that work with them have to find, you know, their, the purpose and what motivates them and, you know, in a long range um, way. And unfortunately, you know, we're seeing turnover at absolutely skyrocketing levels. And even earlier, actually in December uh, of last year, uh, Ceridian, uh, you know, a payroll and HR organization pretty prevalent in Canada, although they're starting to do a lot of expansion in the United States as well. They did a survey and 73% of those surveyed said if they were offered a job today, they would leave their current job right now. So mm -hmm. seven out of 10. And many of those people have been in those organizations for less than a couple of years. You're you're still trying to figure out what the code is to the bathroom at two years. You, you really haven't figured out, okay, what's the lay of the land of this thing? Because you haven't, you haven't been there long enough to really get a, a groove. And again, I think people, and when I talk to people, you know, they're, you know, they're taking jobs that are in, you know, basically their career path or what they want to work on basically. And they're not happy. They're, they're, they're struggling with things. And, I'm sure there's a combination of it, whether it's student loan debt or, you know, the culture isn't quite what they had thought it would be. I, it, communication, bullying, bosses, who knows? could be a variety of different factors. So in those situations, when, when you're trying to leave a legacy and, you know, build that long-term thing, you have to remember, at least, and, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, you have to remember that leaving a legacy and having a long career where you've left an impact and you've, you've made things better is not without having challenges and hiccups in the road and, you know, maybe some difficult bosses and difficult departments and things like that. And absolutely not. That's one of the points we make early in this, in the book is that this is not an easy thing to do. If it were, everybody would be doing it. You know, the, the brands that you see celebrating this book are, are started by people who had, long-term personal ambitions. And I guess the one upside that we really identified to that is that when you have something that's near and dear to your heart and you have a dream or long-term goal or ambition that you really want to realize, you're willing to stay late. You're willing to work the weekends. You're willing to put the time in to, to make that dream come true. And again and again, that's what we were seeing. And the way, what was important to distinguish from, from the, the general uh, worker or the person who starts and works at a typical company 
was that we saw a lot of people who were working in um, working simply either to make their name or or kind of keep 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 from rocking the boat and between those two groups you have you know either somebody who doesn't want to change anything or somebody who wants to change everything and what we found is with with legacy builders they they weren't looking to change everything overnight these were folks who were looking to find a way to evolve and whether that means taking over a, a brand that's been around a long time and, and modernizing or updating it or it means starting an entirely new company um, they were folks who had kind of a vision that included the past the present and the future um, not not either the past or the future yeah it's one of the things that you know i've done in my career as well um, with some organizations is you go in and yes you 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 see a lot of things that could use improvement and and maybe changing the direction a little bit uh, for long term success of the organization. Even though I knew that I was going to be part of that organization for a long period of time, just because of my own you know personal goals and and things that I'm working on and doing, but I knew that you know I would set in in place a system and a way of going about things that would you know enable that organization to continue to grow and be successful long after I left so it was you know leaving a legacy behind of of improving things you know it's kind of like when you go camping if for those that go camping you know one of the the mandates is you know leave the campsite better than you found it and and in the same thing with organizations that you lead or even as an employee you know leave leave your department or leave that role better than you found it and um, it pays big dividends whether it's you know collaboration with people down the road because you you never know you, you might be working with some of those people again in a different organization or different industry you know i've i've bounced around different industries in my career and i think okay i'm in a brand new industry i don't know anybody here so you go to a conference i'm going to meet all new people and two minutes into it you meet somebody that you were a mentor to you know five years ago in a different industry and you go well so much for that six degrees of separation it's basically zero degrees anymore everybody knows everybody and and you're connected to everybody in, in one way or another and so you know it's you know that's a the beautiful thing about leaving a legacy yes it's a long-term thing but there's things you can do right now that will establish uh, your legacy and the legacy of the organizations you're part of right now. You know, it's, yeah, you're looking, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, but doesn't mean you can't you know, start doing some things right now that will pave the road for that legacy to thrive down the road. Yeah. And, and one of the findings we really, we really were surprised to see was that the folks who do that actually make better short-term decisions. So in other words, when you, when you're able to kind of lay out a vision, um, even though it's long-term thinking, it's actually enabling your short-term decision-making um, better than somebody who might just be reacting to the moment. So, so essentially what the book does is, is, is walk through the five elements of, of how you would uh, create and um, implement a long-term vision for, for success. Um, and briefly, that's um, chapter one. Uh, it describes a, a why a long-term personal ambition is, is core to the entire book. Um, we talk about chapter two, about the behaviors and values that your organization will have. Uh, in chapter three, we talk about uh, using influence rather than simply commanding uh, consumers. 
Um, chapter four uh, looks into being unconventional. Um, and chapter five is about keeping it up. It's about being perpetual. And that's a big thing that I find is you know, repetition of what works. And it's, it's a trial and error. You know, I look at my career now and, and where I'm at and, and the things that I do and the people that I get to work with and the skills that I've picked up over my career, especially in the different industries, you know, I'll do something or I'll implement something or I'll suggest how to do something. And I don't necessarily think about, okay, where did I learn how to do that? It could have been in IT, it could have been in finance, it could have been in the not-for-profit sector, it could have been in my consulting business or auditing business or coaching business, who knows? You know, I, didn't, I didn't label you know, the tool, okay, learned this in 1998 at Russell Reynolds in Chicago. I, you know, I, I didn't do that, but I know, it, you know it's just things you pick up along the way and you grow and you learn from things. If you, if you make it a point to observe and look for these opportunities to grow and to improve yourself. You know, I'm a huge advocate for professional development, not for your, just for yourself, but for your teams as well. Because if you don't, then you, you basically get stagnant and then you'll be you know, an organization like Blockbuster that didn't want to adapt. And we all remember Blockbuster. We all went there. We were all ticked off when the movie we wanted wasn't in. We had to wait like three months before the bestseller could be available. Um, and and now it's you know, it's a completely different ball game. Um, but they and they could have easily, you know, if they would have shifted gears a little bit, you know, they, they would still have that market. And who knows? You know, maybe they still be have the storefronts all around. But but they didn't adapt. And that's what you find. And you, you alluded to it earlier, you know, all the, like the, you know, the example of the fortune 500 in the 1960s, I think there's only like 50 of those organizations still in existence. You know, these yeah. were the, the top 500 businesses on the planet. And there's only roughly 50 or 60 of them left. So 440 yeah. of the most valuable, wealthy organizations are gone and it's such a huge it's your brain sometimes has difficulty grasping that and you know they they left a legacy of not being able to survive and without looking at each of those organizations you know to figure out okay why are they gone i'm sure there's some commonalities with it but it's one of those things where you go hmm yeah yeah that each decision you make as an organization you got to think short term and long term yeah, we we also did the math on on the current SEP, and it was uh, I guess almost humorous, but also shocking to realize that the average lifespan of the S and P five hundred now is shorter than the average lifespan of the playground equipment at your local park. These you know massive globally dominant companies are rising and falling at incredibly fast rates, and I think a large part of that is you you see them they're not guided by uh, someone with a long term personal ambition. And what, we, what I love about the book is that when we land on perpetual at the end, we're talking about the ambition that continues. You know, some of these companies are you know, more than 150 years old. The founders are long gone, but their ambition transcends generation after generation. So I think that's another thing people can aspire to when they start something that's really meaningful is even after I'm gone, the dream that I started will continue because the dream can be carried on by others. 
And that's something I talk to entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. You know, I ask them, okay, you're launching this business. Okay, what's your exit strategy? Now that's a you know a, a twofold question. One is, okay, eventually you're gonna leave this business, whether you choose to or <laughs> you know, you, you time the time you know, hit zero and game over for you, um, at least on earth. And so it's like, what do you want this business to do? Do you want it to continue or do you want to, you know, sell it off to somebody? You know, it's like you want to get to a certain plateau on, on income and then, and then away you go. Uh, what do you want to do? And cause a lot of people, they don't even think about that. They're like, I'm going to launch this business. I'm going to do this. Okay. But what about the length what how long do you want to do this you know what do you want to do with the business do you have um a price that you would sell this business you know if you're an old wrestling fan you know the million dollar man ted dibiase says everybody has a price and you know figure that out you know it's yeah it might be playful but you say okay yes if someone came to me and said okay breakfast leadership will give you 10 million dollars i'm like i'm hey i'm reaching in my pockets and i'm handing them the keys now if it ends up being a billion dollar organization for them okay slight miscalculation on that bet but you know what hey you know you, that that's called it's called risk and reward and you never know um so if anybody wants to give me 10 million dollars for the business um you know where to find me uh but at the end of the day Again, you, you should have an understanding on that. And if you don't want the business to end, you want it to continue and progress, um, then, okay, what, you know, have and an plan a way to implement some things so the business can exist without you. And that is a scary proposition for a lot of founders. They are really afraid of somebody could be running my business and it's not me. You, you, do you want that? Because if you don't, then, you know, built in the mechanisms that, you know, the build, the business expires when you do. Otherwise, um, you're gonna have to come to grips with, you have an idea, you planted the seed, it came to fruition. Now you have this entity of an organization and, you know, plan on what you want your legacy to be on the organization, what input and direction you'd like it to see. But take a step back because again, you have to look at it. Was the business for you or was it for the people you served? And once you get clear on that, then you can determine, okay, what do I want to do with this for the long haul? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we do, we do have people in the book who have gone on to start other companies. So this is not just a book for people who have one, one dream and that's it. And they want to start one company that they'll stay with forever. Um, though plenty of the folks in here are like that. It's also for people who have you know, many dreams or who are very ambitious and want to start many companies. But um, like you said, they, they, they adhere to these five principles so that when they're gone, those companies can continue. Um, there's a, a woman named Tony Koch in here who started a, a company called Nick's Cosmetics, um, sold it for uh, uh, reported $500 million to L'Oreal. Um, she went on to work on a, a sunglass brand and uh, started a venture capital fund for, for women. So she has a lot of dreams that she, she, she's leaning into after this, this uh, successful uh, sale of Nick's Cosmetics. Um, and she's an example of someone who, who sets up the brand in a way that can run after her successfully. You can still find Nick's, um, what, 10 years after the sale now uh, everywhere. 
and, and that speaks volumes to you know something that you know continues on and you know, like for, you know, many organizations that I know of and organ, you know, people that have founded multiple, you know, companies, you know, even, you know, one of my business partners, you know, she's you know, launched, I, I, I lost count. I don't know how many businesses she's <laughs> launched, but you know, she, you know, she's done well with some of them, some not so much, some are, you know, you know, less than a year old and, you know, each of them are doing their own thing. And, you know, sometimes people would say, wait a minute, how how is she able to focus her attention on all the different things? And it's it's like, well, it's you know prioritization, knowing how to keep track of your time, knowing that there are certain seasons that need something more than others. So you go, okay, and, and I'm a big systems person, so when you can automate things, um, so things can continue to work um, while you're working on something else without you know completely taking your eye off of the business, but at least having mechanisms in place where it, you know, someone, you know, engages with you, you can engage back to them immediately and not say, wow, I sent that email two months ago asking for that information packet. Yeah. They're going to move on. You know, they're not going to bother sticking around. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's true on a pragmatic level as well as it is on a, a philosophical level, right? When you set up the beliefs and behaviors of an organization, um, more than just say what's in a, in a rule book, if that's a system in and of itself, the, you know, the way that a company behaves. Uh, so we spend our, our second chapter of the book talking all about organizations that have set up the beliefs and behaviors once they've set up the, the personal ambition you move to these values and behaviors that you can pass on to others. So uh, you, you often see the charismatic leader and uh, maybe a company falls apart because the beliefs and behaviors weren't there in the employees. Uh, so the companies that really get it right and keep moving from that charismatic leader are the companies that where there's a, a set of clear values uh, that define the behaviors uh, and the actions of the company down the road, whether the founder's there or not. Um, Honest companies is a good example from that second chapter where they have you know, a set of principles that they follow, um, no matter who's working there, those principles continue and they have to check every decision they make against those. And when they fall short, they have to be accountable to those principles. Um, that's actually a trend that you've seen more and more companies try and follow. Uh, certainly, I think plenty in the modern era give it lip service, but um, I think you can tell the difference, consumers can tell the difference in this age of transparency between companies that are living by their values and companies are, that are just talking about them. Yeah, and I've seen a you know variety of examples with that where you know a leader goes into an organization, um, and there's a mix of of individuals that they brought into the organization, and then there's a, a mix of people that have been there since um, the beginning of time, basically. You know, yep. we like calling those people the originals, and <laughs> and and sometimes the the new guard and the old guard don't see eye to eye and you know the leader you know establishes okay this is the culture of what how things are going to be these are the policies and procedures the best practices we're going to do for the benefit of the organization and the people we serve and you know sometimes when that leader leaves you know depending on how strong of a voice um the originals have with the new leadership or the temporary leadership, it can revert back um, to the way things were. And then all of a sudden 
all the, you know, the people that the leader had brought in, you know, they get frustrated and leave because they're like, wait a minute, we ju you, you just threw out the baby with the bathwater and you know, we're going back to something that didn't work that was broken. And that's why you brought this person in in the first place. And you see that time and time again and you go, hmm, well, I, I, I wish them all the best and I hope that uh, they, they find their way. And then there's other organizations, like you said, that they they establish these are the benchmarks and the guidelines of what we're going to do as an entity and an organization. And not that you can just, you know, swap out the executives in and out type of thing, but the framework of how things are done continues. So you can put anybody, and I say that tongue in cheek, but you could put pretty much anybody in there. And as long as they follow the system and how it flows, it, you know, things are just going to continue smooth sailing, assuming that, you know, things were set up the right way. Yeah. I mean, there are, there's a lesson in our book and many people would, would agree, um, though not everybody would agree with this, but that goes as far as saying your culture is your product and the, the culture you create with your employees in the modern era is, is something that your consumers are going to know about. Um, particularly if they deal with you regularly or they are advocates for your brand, those are both things that you would want. Um, so that your culture is going to shine through. And if you have a culture that's um, aligned towards, you know, the traditional uh, principles of making money and co cost efficiencies and uh, the shareholders come first, um, I think you'll, you'll find that you won't stand out um, from what we would call a modern legacy brand, where the people are living by the, their values, the values of the company, and uh, they're proud to work for the place they, they work for and, and, and really exhibit creativity in, in bringing those values to life. Yeah. And those are the employees that stick around and make an impact. And then they have personal and professional growth, which then makes their skill set better, which improves the organization, which allows the organization to grow and expand and go into different ventures and, and connect to opportunities that happen. Um, and when you have that, you know, incubator for a lack of a better term of an organization that's constantly professionally developing its teams and its leaders to create opportunities for growth, expansion, pivot if they need to, when there's changes in the marketplace, those are the organizations that are in the 60 of the fortune 500 that are still here today and not the 440 that didn't, you know, believe in their people and didn't invest in their people and didn't bother to establish, you know, a legacy type of mindset of what this organization will be doing for the next, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 decades. And those are the organizations that you know, we read about in business books of, you know, how, the, how come they're no longer around? Yeah. There's, there's a, a good uh, example of this that I can tell you about that, um, one of the brands we celebrate in the book, uh, the Ritz Carlton, and they have a practice at their lineup meetings, which are these 15 minute meetings they have at the beginning of every shift of sharing something they call wow stories. And this is where an employee will step forward and share something that they've seen another employee do uh, for, for the customers, for the brand, for themselves, but, but something that really amazed them, um, you know, something that really caused them to go wow. And um, the example that we use in the book is uh, this family was visiting a hotel in D Dubai and one of the children was in a wheelchair and uh, he said, wow, you know, I really wish I could, could go out and swim in the ocean. You know, he could see the, the, the beach just outside the hotel windows. And of course there was no way for a wheelchair to get over the sand. 
Well, one of the employees overheard this, and um, it turns out he was one of the hotel engineers. So in the next few hours, he took some wooden planks and he created a walkway for the child's wheelchair to reach the ocean waves. So that, that day, the kid was actually able to swim in the water. So there, there are a lot of stories like these, these very inspiring stories. And what, what the, res, the, the result of this that, that really is the point of this, this, this practice they have is that when you share those stories, it inspires other employees to do similarly amazing things, you know, really going out of their way to help others. Um, it's, it's something I think that every brand can do in, in kind of celebrating exceptional service. And by doing that, it, you just have, you know, an incredible organization with incredible people that are doing incredible things and the customers benefit from it. Society benefits from it. And it just, it, it makes it an absolute pleasure to you know deal with anybody, whether you're a client or a customer or the boss or even the janitor, you know, it just makes you, you can tell when you go into an yeah. organization that has that mindset, you walk in there and you go, there's something different about this place. What is it? And a lot of it is just the mindset of we have a legacy that we want to build here and it, you, you build it every day. And when you do that and it's part of how you operate and how you breathe, uh, it, it, it changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's particularly in an era where we're seeing businesses come and go at such a rapid rate, having qualities like these, what you would call intangible qualities in the past, um, really become, they become shared online. They become, uh, things that feed influence for the brand, which is, you know, what the third chapter is all about. Um, and, and they become, um, you know, more tangible in the sense that people are sharing them by word of mouth and the culture of the brand, uh, becomes something that, that even the customers become aware of. So it's, it's not like the way things used to be in corporate America, where you could behave one way and talk another way um, that, that the world we live in now, you really have to walk the talk. Um, we have a chapter where we have a passage in the book called deeds, not words. It's really about brands that um, uh, don't just speak their values, but live them. And when you have organizations that do that, again, it, it's noticeable and uh, the impact that it causes uh, and the ripple effect of it is absolutely amazing. So Lucas, I've enjoyed our conversation today and uh, it's got my brain, you know, thinking about, you know, taking a, a longer, harder look at, you know, the legacy that I'm leaving behind uh, down the road. Not right now. I'm not planning on going anywhere <laughs> unless $10 million comes my way, then peace out, right. you know, but the, then, uh, the, but then I'll launch another business because come on. I mean, I'm still young. I don't want to just sit around, although sitting around for a little bit may not be a bad idea, but you know, just for a little bit anyway. So where can people find out more about you and the book and all the other awesome things you're doing? Uh, check out the, you can check us out at the legacy lab.com. Um, you can also find the book of course on Amazon. Uh, and um, you can see plenty of our, our interviews and case studies as well. If you want to see the type of brands that we work with there um, and uh, you can read a passage or hear a passage of the book on Amazon. Awesome. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Lucas, great to talk with you. Appreciate you and all the awesome work you guys are doing. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. 
I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.